Luke chapter 2 in your Bible. We're looking at the week before Christmas. That's where we kind of are right now, a week, little over a week before Christmas. And you probably heard all the messages that you can hear on Christmas and the Christmas story. And I don't know that there's anything that I could add that you hadn't already heard. But I wanted to take a little bit of a different tack on it and yet stay with the theme of Christmas. And uh, here we are a week away and uh, getting ready to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And uh, so what is this time like for you? If you're honest, you know, you'd, you'd kind of say it's really busy, <clears throat> hectic. Carried. And, uh, but yet, they, we, we sit around sometimes and we get into such a, a clamor, if you will, of things to do, places to go, people to see, all the things that we have to accomplish before Christmas would come. And we sit down at times and we get nostalgic and think about what Christmas ought to be and not that. Not the hurried and scurrying around. Not the frustrations, not the traffic jams, not the whatever it is. We could get some nostalgia and we go back and we think, you know, what is Christmas? What would help me to understand or feel what Christmas really is all about? That's where I kind of want to go. You know, we sing those songs of the Christmas carols and we sing about a silent night. And think about the picture you're painting here when you sing about peace on earth. The silent night. You know, we, we might even sing those secular songs like the Winter Wonderland. Thinking about the serene, unbroken, pristine landscape that God has created. It's beautiful. I love to see snow for a day or two. <laughs> I grew up in that area and, and shoveled a good bit of it. So uh, I understand that, but it's still there's some nostalgia that'll trickle in. And uh, we slip into these thoughtful times where we try to find the feeling and the nostalgic air of Christmas, if you will. And uh, we're often carried off into another place, another time, trying to escape our own. Because we just don't think it's here. Many times of nostalgic memories. I would dare say, for most people today, most people today, and probably most people in this audience today, that Christmas is about the hustle and bustle and the activities that you have to accomplish, the traffic jams that you have to endure. I want to interject there that I'm not part of that traffic jam. I refuse to get out there. <laughs> I'll walk. <laughs> it's faster. <clears throat> and uh, you have the harried and hurried times. You have packed schedules. You have deadlines to meet. You have the lists, endless lists of things to do 
things to bake, people to see, places to go, and on and on and on. The cards that you have to write out, the calls that you make. And so it goes. And that seems to be what's about Christmas nowadays, isn't it? And that's where we long for those other times. We want a simpler time. Uh, maybe a time that you think you remember when Christmas just kind of happened and you didn't have to make it happen. Yeah, I, I think I'm getting somewhere on this one. So, we long for those days. There's just too little time, it seems. But there, I want to bring you to another aspect of that. Because there are some, and maybe a few in the crowd here today, who sit alone on Christmas. No one's calling. No one's coming. There's no cards, no calls. They don't know if anything will come. They long for those other days too. Those days that were hurried and full of family and big meals to set out on the table. And they want all the trimmings of Christmas that don't seem to be there anymore. That's where their nostalgia goes. Some of us are nostalgic saying, I want to get out and escape the harried and hurried attitude and atmosphere of Christmas. Yet there are others who say, oh, I wish I could be there once again. They're lonely. No one's coming. But now you might see just a simple small tree on a side table that they might reflect and still celebrate their Christmas season, whatever that is to them. They're hoping that the day will come when that call will come through or somebody might stop by. You see, the first crowd had too little time and couldn't have time to think. That second one has too much time and too much time to think. What is Christmas? And what are your thoughts about Christmas today? I mean, really, what is Christmas all about? Brought me to wonder what was Christmas like on the first Christmas. And uh, you probably heard all those sermons, and I can't repeat them all, and I probably couldn't uh, marry up or match up to it. There's a lot of suggestions about what it might have been like in that day. And I'm just going to add to it. But what is it that we always focus on? We always tend to focus on the things that would bring joy and peace into your heart. But may I say that there was so little of that at that time. May I offer to you today, for your reflection today, in three small points, and it's going to be a short sermon. You might even beat the Methodists out there. It was not an easy time. Matter of fact, it was, for the first point, a very inopportune time. 
very inopportune time. Second point would be that you have to consider that there was an arduous journey. Now, in that, I don't know what your opportune times are, and you might have some very inopportune times going right now. May you reflect on that when we get there. Maybe your life is tough, and it's an arduous journey, and you can't really take it. I think about what Pastor often reflects on. He says, why is it that in the Christmas season, suicide rates double? What is going on? Why does that happen? I dare say it's because people can't take life as it's dished out. And they're ready to check out. It's a sad commentary about what some people are enduring at this time of the year. The last point I would be bringing to you would be that it's in very unaccommodating conditions that occurred on that first Christmas and in the world, and it hadn't changed any, if I know. So I want you to think about that while we go into our nostalgic times. So what is it that Christmas is about? Let's look at the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. You're probably very familiar with it. And, uh, <clears throat> and as I go through it, I will go back through those points briefly before we close. It says here, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. King James Version might be said that all the world might be taxed. And this, first, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way. Everyone, make, that, make point of that, was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, and the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. I said it was a very inopportune time. Well, let's begin right there. If you'll go back into chapter 1 of Luke, which we're not going to read into, we're looking at Mary right now. We're coming into the last time frame, if you will, of a pregnancy where she gives birth. But if you go back into Luke chapter 1, when the angel visited her, and one of the things the angel did or said to her was, your cousin Elizabeth, who was called barren, is now a child. She is six months along. And well, one of the things you see inside Luke chapter 1 is that Mary just packed it up and went off to help Elizabeth. And she came into Elizabeth's presence. You know the story about the babe leaping in her womb and, uh, and all that. And Mary stayed there for three months, and then she went home. I would think that Mary, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a little liberty here, but I'll tell you when I do. And I think that Mary went up there to help. And she stayed with Elizabeth and helped and did some of the things that need, need to be done and just rejoiced with her. And so she was up there helping her. She stayed there for the three months that were remaining in her time, if you will, when it came time. 
Mary left. Well, one of the comments that it made inside that context was that Mary went to the hill country where they lived. So she, you know, she could very easily traverse the hills. Now, I'm going to throw in, and I, I went to Google, and I said, how far is it from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Well, as the crow flies, it's about 65 to 70 miles as the crow flies, all right? But just about all the way along that flight of the crow, it's all hilly, mountainous, if you will. And so when I get into talking about these next points here, keep that in mind because it's an inopportune time because she started, when she started her pregnancy, she went to the hill country, stayed with Elizabeth for at least three months, went home. All right, so that's three months into her pregnancy. Now, somewhere in the next time frame, it doesn't tell us how long or how when, it tells us that there is a decree that goes out that the whole world is going to be taxed or a, a census was going to be taken. Well, let's go back and think again about some of the things we know or have learned through the scripture about this family. Joseph and Mary were poor. You remember that, don't you? You know that because of some of the things that the scripture teaches about it. And so... Now, as they are coming out, a decree goes out that there's going to be a tax. They barely are scraping by day to day, trying to make enough to survive today. Now, there wasn't any other welfare programs, supposedly, out there that you could get on, uh, get on the list. And uh, they're poor. All of a sudden, and some of you might relate to this, you're scraping by day to day, week to week, barely making it, when all of a sudden the decree comes out that you got to pay a tax. Where are you going to come up with all that? But not only do you have to pay for a tax, but you got to take a travel and travel a long distance to go pay that tax. How's he going to do that? I envision, and here again, I'm taking a little liberty, I envision that they would probably have to work double trying to scrape enough money up so that they could take care of that business, if you will. And then they have to travel. And while you're traveling, you're not making money. You're consuming it. And not only did they have to travel, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. So this is a very inopportune time. I would think that they probably delayed two to three months, trying to get enough money up to get on the journey to go take care of this business. And so we're not told exactly how long it was from their arrival to the birth. We assume sometimes it's just about, you know, we got there and she had the baby. I don't know that that's the case. It may well be. The journey might have helped that. And... Uh, so this is a very inopportune time, and there are probably people inside of our congregation even today saying, you know, why, God? Why this? Why now? Why here? So where's your nostalgia now for Christmas? The cold water committee doesn't come along and did something to it. It's a very difficult time. And a lot of people 
are going through, even in our crowd today, maybe you're going through a difficult time. And you can't seem to conjure up what Christmas is all about. The world is beating you down. Everything is working against you, if you will. So now while they're going and she's nearing term, it came at a bad time and we, we see them now having to go to what I call the second place, take, taking the arduous journey. Now they delayed a little bit probably in my own mindset, feeble as it is, that they have to take an arduous journey. Now, as I said, it was 65 to 70 miles as a crow flies. But now you have a woman who's going to bear a child. That's not going to be an easy task. You're going to have to walk most of the way or ride the donkey that doesn't have shock absorbers. When she gets tired, she probably had to do that. But how far can you go in a day's time? I would say that they probably had to head east toward the Jordan Plains, follow down along the river so you'd have fresh water to drink while you're on your journey. If you call the Jordan River fresh, I've heard differently. But you go down along the river, and then you'd have to go back in. So now how many miles did you add to the journey? It's probably come up to more like 100 miles now. And how far can you go in a day in that condition under those circumstances? They normally would try. It's a very difficult, difficult journey because of the terrain. She probably had, they probably had to go and take the easier route, but the much more circuitous route, longer, if you will. Very difficult in that, day, in that time. Walking, riding, maybe 10 miles, 15 miles in a day. We think that's nothing. How many of you walk 15, 10 miles a day right now? We usually don't. When we think about going, we jump in a car and 100 miles is nothing. Gone. Not so in that day. And they had some very tough terrain to cross. But not just the terrain because of the arduous journey. Because there were people out there that you might call a thief, you see. A thief is somebody who will make their living taking away your living. And they had to watch out for them too. This is a very difficult journey, a difficult time for them. So when you have your nostalgic moments about the birth of our Lord, I want you to remember that it wasn't an easy time for them. And you might have some relationship to that. And uh, So they're going along the way, maybe making 10 or 15 miles. They try to travel in teams or, or groups of people to try to help protect themselves from these thieves which were there. But maybe Mary and Joseph had to hang back sometimes because of her condition. And either they traveled alone or they'd have to wait for the next group to come through. See, I don't think there were any McDonald's along the way there either where they could stop and refresh themselves or go into the day's inn or whatever it was. They, it was a very arduous journey. Sometimes those few verses, we overlook a lot of points in there that we don't consider the cost, the effort, the suffering, the sadness. We get our nostalgic moments thinking about Silent Night. Was it really that way? 
They had the inopportune time. They had a very arduous journey. How's, how's your nostalgia going right now? Am I, am I peeking it there? The last point. The last point, and then 14 other things to do before we close. But No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The last point would be that there are unaccommodating conditions there. Unaccommodating conditions when they arrive. This too caused me to puzzle my, against myself. You know, it finally arrived. Was that a good thing? Finally arrived to what? No place to stay. You know, I, I got to think, what's that scenario? Try to set the scenario. You remember I told you, I paused a moment, and I said, remember that. All the world, everybody was moving around, scurrying around. Remember I said that? Remember it said that? It doesn't matter what I say, but it really matters what he says. And uh, I want you to think about that a lot. I'm going to try to bring it out in a couple of ways here. You see, because there are so many people trying to take care of business at this time, at this place. They don't see each other. What's their focus? I've got to get my thing done. I got to take care of my business. All right, I'm going to get meddling here in a minute. How many of us on this Christmas season are so busy taking care of business and we really are missing the faces in the crowd and we really aren't seeing what God would have us to see? Somebody that God has put in your path that He wants you to see and you just blurred right by them. You see? There's hardly any time. There wasn't any time for those people back then. They were trying to get it done and get it over with, go home. You, you, know the, you know the scenario. No one notices you. No one notices them. <clears throat> Joseph, being the, the leader of the family, has to find accommodations. And he better do it fast. I think that it's just about that time. And Mary probably isn't complaining. I don't take her as being one to do so. But I think Joseph kind of takes on that, that responsibility and says, i got to take care of this. Guys, you can relate to some of that, some of you. And uh, the others, well, we got a sessions that we'll talk to you about. <clears throat> I don't know personally if the innkeeper was generous or not. I tend to think that the innkeeper was very generous, very concerned that he would offer them what he did. He didn't have any other option or choice, I don't think. Everybody else got there first because they were so slow, maybe. They were slow to maybe get started out, and they were probably slow along the journey. Everything was gone. There was no room. You know that. But... Whatever his case may be, it was still part of God's plan. When we speak about creature comforts, and here's a point. You know, in our terminology, creature comforts means what? Padded pews. Air conditioning or heat that works. It might not work like you like it, but it works. And uh, we usually know who doesn't like it. And... Uh, <clears throat> We talk about 
our creature comforts, we talk about comfortable beds or sofas, chairs. We talk about having lights and electricity. We talk about running water. Indoor plumbing, huh? And uh, we talk about having the toiletries that you need. Creature comforts. When we apply the term creature comforts to the scriptures, what do you get? You get the place where the creatures lived. The stable, drafty, cold. I don't know what time of the year it was. It doesn't matter. It wasn't the best of accommodations. When we talk about creature comforts for them, we see the sights and smells that uh, I don't think you'd relate. And their bed was maybe, if they could get it away from the cow, a little bale of straw. So how about it? Well, how's the nostalgia going now? You get the warm fuzzies? That's what Christmas was. I can imagine Joseph talking to Mary and saying, Mary, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. This is the best we could do. I'm going to drop back into chapter 1 of, of Luke. Because I could imagine Mary here again. I'm, I'm taking liberty, saying this is what I think. I'm kind of uh, giving a little, a little addition. So I always try to say when I'm adding to and say this is what I think and not what God said. Always remember what God says is what's important. And, uh, but if you look back in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, this is where the angel had visited Mary. And, uh, and one thing she said to him, and Mary said to the, to the angel, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. So in my times where I just reflect and try to think, what was it like? I could think of Joseph saying, Mary, I'm so sorry. But I could hear her voice saying, doesn't matter. I'm the bond slave of the Lord. You want to know what Christmas is about? You won't know until you have that attitude. Pure and simple. You won't know what Christmas is about until you can overcome all the obstacles. The inopportunities, the hardships, the difficulties that you go through. And you can still say, I'm still the bondservant of the Lord. Seems to me we all have something to learn about the time leading up to Christmas. Seems to me we all have something to learn about what the true meaning of Christmas is. And may I offer that the days leading up to the coming of our Lord haven't changed much, but we have. I don't think we can reflect upon it like they did. I don't know that we truly understand what it means to be ready for Christmas and let Christmas be in your heart. Because there are always going to be inopportune times. And most of us are going to go through life in struggles. And there's always an 
unaccommodating world out there for the things of God. So I dare say we're not looking for the right things when we're looking for what we're trying to find about Christmas. There's still the hurried masses there was in that day. Can you just picture everyone milling about trying to get their business taken care of and go home? And they walked, ran by, and nobody saw what was going on. I think there was a crowd around there. They just didn't see it. A lot of blurred faces because they were preoccupied with their list of things to do. They all missed the coming of the Lord because they were too busy accommodating themselves. So what's Christmas like? Am I getting close yet? I want you to slow down and ponder. What is it that you're trying to accomplish to bring about Christmas? What are you seeking? When you drove here this morning, how many houses did you pass? And I wonder in how many of those houses people are hurting, lonely. They don't know what Christmas might bring. They don't have any hope for Christmas. They might be wondering why life is so hard. Will they miss Christmas? Will you? Here's the clue. It's not in our accomplishments, and it's not in our activities. It'll only be found if you slow it down and reflect on who of Christmas, not the what. Because we're still preparing for his arrival today. Maybe not as a baby. But how focused are you on that? I want to share with you in closing. My Christmas, my nostalgia, happened 33 years and nine days ago when I received Christ into my life. Christmas was born into me as I was born again. That's Christmas. It was a difficult part of my life. It was tough. There were some things going on that were very difficult. That's what brought me to my knees. And after that moment in time that I received Christ, I could remember, and I still reflect every year at this time, I could remember laying down in that trailer that I rented and just listening to the Christmas songs because they now had a new meaning. They had a new impact on my life. That was Christmas. It was still a difficult time still a hard time. There were many hard years ahead of that, after that one. But I had forgotten what Christmas is. So I'm asking you if you know 
the really the true meaning of Christmas. Because there's somebody here that you've heard about Christmas, you know all the stories, but you don't have that Christmas in your heart. You've not been born from above. Forget all the trappings. Christmas is Christ coming to you. To be with you. To be in you. If that's not the case, today is the time to take care of that business. Right now is the time. Don't get caught up in the trappings that would lead you away from what Christmas is all about. We're going to ask that you think about it as we stand for an invitation. If you need to come to know that Christ, or if you need to renew whatever He has done, now is the time, this week before Christmas.